ideally, what, before you start hiring someone, you would want to have those SOPs ready, the processes, just like yeah. airplane pilots, you know, how they have those step by step by step things that they go through every single time. You need to mm -hmm. have those so that you don't keep them in your head. And then it just takes extra, you know, brain power for you, right? Instead, have them as a list or a spreadsheet or whatever. And then whenever you create, you know, work on a repetitive task, you just open up this thing so that you don't have to search for additional stuff. The pursuit of, of excellence is something we're all striving towards. I want you to focus on what you do best. You need to have an approval. How many approvals? What are the steps? It's really about listening. If it's not documented, it's, it's not done. Thanks for tuning into In Systems We Trust, the show where we dive into all things systems and processes and hear from the professionals that are using them to change the landscape of their organizations every day. Today, I'm talking with Natalie Leniva. Natalie is on a mission to help companies grow, clarify business priorities, and grow high-performance teams. Drawing from more than 10-plus years of growing marketing teams, she's helped over 100 companies streamline their operations, clarify business priorities, and scale. Welcome to the show, Natalie. Great to be here. So you're, I know you're, you're currently the COO at, um, at, at Deposit Fix. Can, can we maybe start there? I want to hear about your background in a, in a little bit, but with Deposit Fix, what industry do you, you do, would you say you fall into and what does your organization do? Deposit Fix is SaaS. It's a software company, software as a service, and it's uh, my husband's company. Um, I think by default, uh, any uh, spouses need to be either CEO or chief or something um, because sure. uh, it's just a lot of work, definitely. But uh, together, um, he is the CEO. He is the technical person. Um, and yeah. I am more on the operations and marketing. So the product okay. is really, it is an integration. It is a payment integration for um, HubSpot, not sure if a lot of you know, but it's a marketing automation system. Perfect. How does that work with you two both being at home then? You know, you have the CEO, you have the CEO. Do you have separation in the house? How, how, how does that look, you know, in this mid-COVID, you know, world we find ourselves in? Well, first of all, it is two separate rooms and okay. the furthest corners of the house so that we cannot right. hear each other um, because we are on a lot of calls as well. So um, that's one okay. separation. Um, number two is, um, I guess we meet uh, around midday or in the afternoon, right before I pick up the kids um, to talk about what's been happening. So we really do not interact with each other that much during the day. So it's more like an office environment. See, he's working at his office. I'm working at my office. Um, and uh, we basically like an office environment. <laughs> yeah, good for you. You have to. I know that if I worked with my wife, I mean, we would just talk about work all day and then it's like what else is there left you got the kids you got making up the house you know whatever it is and then you got business all the other time so good that you guys are creating some separation there um so so with your role then you know you're in the coo role with deposit fix you know what does that really entail for you what does a typical week look like what are you responsible for day to day can you give us more information there so for this company is more of a part-time position. So a lot of um, things that I do is really making sure that the team works smoothly. My husband is not really, uh, does not have a lot of management experience. He is very experienced in majority of the things, but just management is not his strong side. And so we nice. often discuss the things that can be improved. He's very good on the processes side. So just like any CEO or founder, he's like writing all of those beautiful procedures and SOPs and then, who's going to implement them? Who's going to use them? So he usually doesn't think through 
um, uh, with those things. Um, and so I am the one making sure that the company operates. And then whenever we have, you know, bottlenecks or he is sometimes a bottleneck. So I am the person who needs to tell him that, you know, here's, here's the problem. And then we discuss the solutions. Okay. Um, Cameron Harold, he's the, the host of the second in command podcast. And so he basically, he, he runs an organization called COO Alliance, where like the COO is obviously like the second in command, right? Um, pretty self-explanatory. Would you view um, your, your working relationship um, in that way? Is, is it a collaboration when it comes to things like vision, um, forecasting? I know you said it's part-time, but who takes on the majority of the creation of the SOPs, the vision of the company, the, the way that you're going? I think that this is the CEO role. The vision is for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, the SOP part, is it, it is split, uh, but because uh, I am not technical whatsoever, so that's why he creates SOPs for majority of the processes. Um, like the hiring processes, I would recommend the things that we need to have in place and I would put together those things. Um, but from the okay. technical standpoint, um, he is the person who is leading all of that. I don't think I answered the uh, full question. What was the first part of the question? I was just asking how you support each other. Would you say that it's a collaboration as far as, you know, providing that growth vision and structure? Or is it one party, you know, kind of leading, leading the way most of the time? I think just like for any um, business owner, um, well, I'm, I'm also a coach. So I know that working with other companies, you can easily see the improvements that they can make and the uh, areas of opportunities, but it's so hard to see it in your company with yourself. And so when I talk to a lot of founders and CEOs and they say, absolutely, how did I, how, how is it that I did not come up with uh, such a brilliant I don't know, idea or solution to this problem? And that's exactly why, because you are day in, day out, your heads down in the business. And it's so hard for you to realize that the answer is right there. So it's very easy um, to talk to someone who is like the COO, who knows you, your company, and I think, I would stress here knows you as the CEO, as the founder, very intimately, very well knows you are strong and weak sides and knows where you, you know, where you freak out um, and is able to provide um, um, suggestions, recommendations, pinpoint um, yeah. to the area that needs to be improved or you know, just open your eyes to something that you have not seen. So definitely, I like the, uh, the how you called it the second in command. And I put it down uh, as a note. I'll take a look at the, I think you mentioned it's a podcast. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's exactly what it is. There needs to be someone second in command uh, to help the general, the main person, uh, see their problem, be able to kind of look look back and see all the things that maybe they've missed just because it's not possible for one person to know or see everything. That's right. And it's all about process, right? I mean, in systems, you know, it's about finding the right people in the right place, you know, doing what they're really good at. So yeah, it sounds like you guys have figured that out pretty well. Um, if we can talk more about your coaching, right? Because I, I know from looking at your, your personal website, you have this line that says, you know, that, you know, you clarify, um, what is it, marketing priorities, you know, for SaaS clients, you know, how, how, do, how do you do that? Would you say, what does that process look like to really get you there where you can create those, those priorities um, for these owners? 
First of all, I want to comment on what you just said that it looks like you guys figured it out. Just two days ago, we, him and I talked and said that, you know, there are some issues, there are some problems that we need to fix. So it's a never ending right. process. Do not think like, right. oh, they figured it out. They, you know, their company looks so good. looks like they're figured it out. I almost guarantee you that 95% of all of those companies that you talk to or you see the successes of them, you do not see what's happening beneath all of that. So I, we have not figured that out. And we've been married for more than 10 years and we've been together for a bigger part of our lives. So we've okay. been together since high school. And you know, still we have all of the problems and all of the miscommunications that happen. So if you just start working with someone or you hire the COO, chances are you're gonna have miscommunications. Just like yesterday, mm -hmm. I, I texted him yesterday and saying, hey, uh, put um, boil, you know, macaroni for our kids. Um, and he <laughs> took it as boil some water so that I come and I will cook uh, it myself. And then yeah. I showed him the text and he's like, I don't know how this happened. So even looking at this, it is so <laughs> obvious to have those miscommunications. Mm -hmm. um, to answer your question about clarifying business priorities, how I do that. Number one is I look at metrics. So when I start working with uh, any company, I look at their metrics. And oftentimes they don't know their metrics. So I help put together, they usually have it in different systems. So what I create is a simple spreadsheet with all the metrics. Sometimes you would input some things there and then the rest is gonna be calculated. But without those metrics, it is so hard to say what it is that we should focus from business growth, from marketing perspective. Sometimes, um, uh, founders and CEOs come to me and say, I need help with SEO and I need to produce more content. Do you know a writer who can produce more content for me? Recommend them to me. And I'm like, mm, okay, let's take a look. Share with me access to Google Analytics and maybe I'm going a little bit too technical. So uh, let me know if I am. But I look at their Google Analytics uh, because I have marketing background and I see that they already have a bunch of traffic to their blogs, but it's not converted very well. So you don't need a more content, you don't need help with SEO. You just need to know how to improve conversion of that content that you already have and people who already come to your website. So no, you don't need a, a content writer just yet because that's not your highest ROI opportunity and highest priority right now. Right. And that's what I mean by identifying high ROI opportunities, basically looking at the metrics, comparing them year over year, maybe month over month, quarter over quarter and see where do we stand? Are we improving? Are we you know, getting worse? What, what about our growth rate? Are we improving there? Uh, what about our traffic? Do we stay flat or we're increasing our traffic? Because if we're staying flat, but you're seeing growth, that means that your conversion is going better, right? But if you're increasing your traffic and your revenue plummets, that means that you are not converting existing traffic really well because you are increasing your traffic to the website. So there are actually, there is no silver bullet. Uh, I, I think we just go case by case and I look at the areas of opportunity for every business. Okay. Quick note, just about your, your previous slide. I think we need to have a part two and have your husband on here and talk to him about some of his uh, understanding of how to cook macaroni. That's really funny. Um, but just a question about, you know, your, your coaching clients. So, I mean, who are these people that you're speaking with? Are you connecting directly with the CEO? Are you um, talking to boards? Are these um, SaaS platforms, are, are they funded? Where are they at in, in the overall life cycle 
of other businesses? And then again, who are you connecting with? Because the majority of the SaaS companies that I work with are uh, bootstrapped, so they're self-funded. Um, they are under 1 million in revenue, majority of them. And so I speak directly to the CEO, the founder. Okay, got it. How did you get into this space? Like, I, I know you said you have a marketing background. Um, you and your husband worked on Deposit Fix and, you know, both student group grew it together. But how, how did you find yourself in this space, you know, um, where you're dealing with, you know, both SaaS on the, you know, sales side as well as the coaching and consulting side what what really drew you here so i have 10 years of marketing background i started as a marketing specialist digital marketing specialist grew into marketing director um through multiple companies worked as a marketing director for a few companies and then uh had my own agency marketing agency a small agency working specifically with medical clinics medical doctors just because this is where majority of my background was at the time and then figure out that this niche is very difficult to penetrate just because doctors and dentists and medical space overall is so difficult. Those medical doctors um, have uh, big egos and they are bombarded from all of those uh, pharmaceutical reps. So it's really hard to get their trust. And I was struggling because all of them previously used a marketing agency or marketing support and majority of them had poor results. So every time that they would talk to me and they were already, their guard was so high and they were like, hmm, you know, you're not going to work and stuff like that. Um, and then my husband started founding multiple companies testing. Not all of them worked, but then um, a couple of companies um, were successful. And he's like, when we started talking about operations and management, um, team management, team performance, because I had a much more experience with that. He basically has zero experience managing people before he started his um, last company. Um, and I was managing hiring, probably I hired more than 100 people for sure, 100 full-time um, employees. Um, and so I have that kind of experience. And so when I started talking to him about his problems and trying to help him resolve all the management and leadership problems, he told me that you need to do this for SaaS founders. And so I started exploring this niche a little bit more. And I figured that, yes, it is a very interesting industry. It is very technology uh, savvy industry. I would love to work with the, this kind of people. Plus, I have very intimate relationship with at least one founder. He is a technical founder. He's a developer, engineer. I know really a majority of founders just like him. They have technical background engineers, maybe a little bit on the shy side. Um, and so I know this type very well. And so it's very easy for me to work and understand and read their minds. Even before they tell me something, I know that why they struggle with, I don't know, an outreach, for example, cold outreach. So I am able to speak um, right away from that side. Okay. So obviously because of the relationship, like things kind of happened organically. So it's really interesting to hear how that came together and something you said, you know, about um, the technical founder just made me think like, do you, do you have a, a, a CTO? Is there someone in that role who's really leading the technical development of that? Is that your, um, is that your partner leading, leading that? Um, yep. Yeah. That's my husband because okay. he is majority okay. of uh, software founders are have software background. And so they yeah. are the product leaders, the visionary, the CDOs. Okay, got it. And so what does your team dynamic look like? Like with him leading it, I assume you have, you know, a dev team and you have people that are actually pushing, you know, um, tickets through and doing like um, debugging. Where would you say deposit fixes in, in the life cycle of a SaaS platform? And how does your team support that? 
while we are an early stage company, we are in the growth stage. Um, and we have five people on our team, all of them remote. Um, we've been hiring for the um, couple of positions, still growing, still hiring more people. Um, but our team consists of um, my husband, who is the CEO slash CTO slash visionary. We have a developer. We have a support person who we recently hired, a support manager. manager. Uh, we also have another support specialist. Um, and I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting someone. Um, we have me, who is marketing growth uh, slash operations person. Okay. And, and how does it look like what, when it comes to, you know, the work that's being produced? Are you guys using Jira um, to, to do your project management? Or is there another platform that, that you're working through right now? So from the technological standpoint, I don't know what kind of system they use for, you know, bugs and stuff like that. But from the project management, we're using Notion as our wiki. Um, product uh, SOPs, documentation, all of that. Um, we used to use Notion as a task management tool, but then um, my husband switched to ClickUp and he is very um, happy about that. Um, yeah. Very uh, technological company, very, um, they're updating it really quickly. So overall, very happy with ClickUp. I'm hearing a lot more about ClickUp these days. Do you guys do everything on board? And I know that they have a feature where you can house documents and SOPs. So why do you choose to keep things outside within Notion and not just have it all under one roof? Um, I think I what I heard is every time where you add something to Notion, your bill is also adding up. Um, and so mm. we already use... Uh, I'm sorry, when, we, when you're adding something to ClickUp, I think I said ClickUp or Notion, I don't remember. If you add in something to ClickUp, your bill is adding up as well. So with Notion, we have a flat fee. We enjoy what we have. And I think we're just used to that. Um, it is not my decision. I'm not questioning this decision. Um, I'm just using yeah. what my husband you know, suggests to use. And so I know that Notion, he is very pleased with that. Um, I think he is used to having everything there and it will be hustle to transfer everything to another system so right now yeah. uh, this is also not our top priority and that's why whatever is working let it work uh, just like it is and then when we have time we'll figure out the rest i guess this is the <laughs> the mindset that yeah. we have right now well, what can you say to founders to kind of like give some advice on how to manage you know these these types of teams i mean you're all remote um you're in a couple different systems here right and what tends to happen when you know people are working different places is you have the the um, chance where things could be siloed right projects are happening outside um, people are have developed their own systems you know you have trouble you know finding where the work is happening finding files getting authorizations and things like that and there's this you know you know term that you know, often comes up with us at Ditto is this work about work, right? It's all the in-between things is searching for the work. It's the talking about the work, but not actually spending time on the technical systemized work that we are hired to do. And then often we really like to do. So does that happen in your organization where there's this like in-between wasted time almost? And how do you manage that with the remote team, which I assume is across, you know, many different time zones? What does that look like? My favorite subject, I'll be honest, uh, I'm actually writing a book about team performance and increasing, improving your team performance, going from mm. mediocre to high uh, team performance. Um, and I would say that 
Having everything, all the SOPs and all the guidelines accessible very easily, not hidden somewhere, not having five different versions of the same thing, and then you can figure out which one is the latest one, um, is definitely the first step forward. Number two is documenting the things that you already do. So when you are making a new hire, this is the best way for you to Uh, create those SOPs if you don't already have them. If you're just starting out hiring someone, you work by yourself and you start hiring someone, this is the best person to document those SOPs for you. So if you don't have them ready, which ideally you should, so let's take a step back. Ideally, before you start hiring someone, you would want to have those SOPs ready. The processes, just like uh, airplane pilots, you know how they have those step-by-step-by-step things that they go through every single time. You need to Mm -hmm. have those so that you don't keep them in your head and then it just takes extra, you know, brain power for you, right? Instead, have them as a list or spreadsheet or whatever. And then whenever you create, you know, work on a repetitive task, you just open up this thing so that you don't have to, you know, search for additional stuff. And so while you're doing something, a task that you know is going to be repetitive, you record yourself doing that. So you record your screen, maybe you record your voice, how you do that. And so really in five to 10 minutes, you explain how you're performing this task. So that later, when you know you're going to hire an assistant or someone to help you with those tasks, you don't, you don't need to explain that one by one, how to do that. Plus, people oftentimes do not work out. So even if you hire someone, they may very well be gone in two months, right? So you do not want to explain the same thing multiple times to different people. So that's why you yourself originally want to have those processes documented. Now, if you don't have those processes documented and you need to hire someone right away, you can explain those things to this person and let them write those SOPs for you. All you do is basically ask them, okay, here's how you do that. I would really want you to write it down what I explained to you in a document and then share with me so that I can check whether you understood it the right way. What I said, what I meant is, you know, what you understood. Uh, And then you use that, you can edit it. Obviously it's not going to be hundred percent perfect. You edit it. And then this person is going to be more likely to understand what you're trying to ask of them. Um, and so this is how you create those SOPs in the beginning. I love that you brought that up because I was going to ask if you encourage your team to document those SOPs on their own and then bring them to you and what that process looked like. But it seems like you're, you're you know, instilling them with that power and that autonomy almost to, um, and, you know, keeping them accountable really is what it is. You know, are you listening? Do you understand? Was it clear? And then you're having those iterative processes along the way. So you're talking to your team and I, I also love too that you brought up the the onboarding component that that is huge before I get to the next point I find that is one of the biggest things that's missing in organizations is not having those clearly defined onboarding processes you have a new person come on and you may generally try to you know explain to them how things work and get them up to speed and then we often just pass them off to a more senior person for them to shadow right and there are those things that are missed and that's when you get those bad habits that are developed but it seems like you have this you know, down to a science, right? It seems pretty, pretty airtight. But my, my question I is think more all around of like- that, I'm sorry, uh, really quick. Yeah, I cool. think all of that yeah. based on, is based on the experience. Um, I've heard this mm-hmm. saying, 
your good judgment comes from bad judgment. And so all of those things are because of trial and errors. I mean, I've made so many mistakes. And in this book that I'm writing, I'm actually openly admitting that I was such a bad manager. I was such a bad leader of my team in the beginning because no one knows how to do that. And you probably don't even have time reading up on those things. So do not expect to, for you to be good. If you don't have those SOP, do not beat yourself up. I mean, you know, you, you already have so many things on your plate. Just do whatever needs to happen and do not beat yourself up. You are going to screw up. Things are not going to work out. The best people that you think are the best that you hired are not going to work out. So it's not the end of the world. That's the thing of the game. I think if you are an entrepreneur, expect that those things are going to go wrong. I love that you said that. Thank you for your transparency. You're so right. I mean, it's not going to be perfect. We make mistakes and that's how we learn, right? Like you have kids. I, I have twin boys. They're five, you know, and, you know, they, they, they do something that they're not, they're not supposed to do. They jump off of something too high and they hurt themselves, right? They learn from making those mistakes. So I think what we forget often as, you know, founders and people in, you know, these C-suite roles is that, you know, we have to be perfect. We have to um, appear like we know what we're doing and, you know, to make a mistake or, you know, to have, you know, um, some form of failure is, is almost like a negative. We don't want to talk about it. So I'm really glad that you, that you said that. And, you know, speaking from experience, that's the only way that we grow. That's the only way that we get better. Um, exactly. And, so, and not know, just talk, to, do not just think to yourself that, you know, I, okay, I screwed up and, and be done with that. But also you can share it with your team. So if you screwed up and your team is connected to that, or maybe your team member is a little bit upset about that, you should be open about that. And you can say that I'm learning myself how to do that. Can you share your yeah. feedback with me? Because if your, uh, your team member is not feeling maybe excited or motivated, ask them, why is that? I think this is the first step. So be open. Uh, do not have high ego or, uh, you know, where you need to be perfect. Mm -hmm. You think that you are the CEO. So you need to know what you are doing. That's totally fine. In fact, they're going to respect you more if you come to them with those problems and kind of asking for them for their feedback. I agree. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, so you have your SOPs, you have your, your processes, everything's documented, you know where they are. How often are you going back to, to take a look at your, your processes to improve them? And then what does that you know, improvement um, of, of the processes really, really look like? Is it you and your husband going away for you know, a day and just powering through it? Are you bringing your team into that, into different breakouts? And, and how often is that happening if that's what you're doing? I heard from another expert, cannot remember their name, but whenever your team is working on a task that is documented, you, they need to have those SOPs open so that they go just like, uh, you know, airplane uh, pilots, they have the, their uh, SOPs and step-by-step -step open. So they have it open so that whenever there's a new release of a software and so this is being done differently right now compared to what it was before, they are able to update it right away. And you do not have 50, 100 versions of the same SOP. You have it right there open and you added the same thing. So having this open, I think is crucial. It's not only us who are updating those SOPs. If it's something that's on the higher level, only we can do it, then we do that. If it's someone who, you know, that's a task that is performed by someone, um, mm -hmm. like we talked about before, they create it first, they bring it to us because by them creating this, they are going to be more willing to follow it 
and we are going to get their buy-in when they create it themselves. And so they bring it to us, we review it, provide our feedback in a nice way, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. And then that's how the SOP is being finalized. I want to add one more thing. Um, I alluded to that in the beginning, but a lot of founders and CEOs create those beautiful SOPs because they're very, usually the CEOs are very analytical. And so they think yeah. that, okay, I'm going to write out all of those beautiful SOPs and people are just going to start using them. And then my husband, I remember him coming to me and saying, why do not people use my beautiful SOPs that I spent so much time perfecting and putting them so nicely, you know, bullet points and, you know, nicely done. There's such a thing called learning pyramid. I was fascinated when I learned about it. But the learning pyramid is basically uh, like a pyramid of Maslow. I'm not sure if you've heard about that. But basically on the bottom level, only 5% of information is being retained when people read something. You know, more and more you're going up if people watch video or if people talk about this or if people participate in creating something or if people teach something to someone, this is the highest level of retention. So to answer the question, why do not people follow the SOP that I created? Well, because you created it, you send the link maybe in Slack or somewhere, hey guys, here's a new SOP, please follow that. And that is not enough. I agree. So, so, so then what do you do then, right? Like if it's not enough, are, are you then taking that to, you know, daily standups to review? Is that happening once a month? Is that happening once a quarter? And then how are you getting that buy-in then? Like what, what's the solution you guys found? I would think the next step would be for the CEO connect with the person who is actually doing the task and go through this project with them. And they would, do that maybe to perform the task looking at your sop and saying yes everything is clear here or no i would update you know point three and five because they're not clear and then after that obviously you ask them to keep the sop open when they perform the task um, and then if there is a junior person or someone else then ideally this this person would teach this sop to someone else okay amazing um from a project management standpoint like are, are, are you managing a lot of the 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 tasks that are happening from day to day? And if so, like what methodologies um, or, you know, project management um, uh, methodologies are, are, are you following? Are you, are you doing Scrum with your team? Are you on Kanban? Are you doing Reiki? What does that really look like um, from day to day or month to month? And how long do those sprints usually look? So this is on my husband's side. I know that this was a little bit more hectic uh, up until maybe a month ago, and now they're doing more Scrum. They have those sprints. Um, okay. So from the software standpoint, they would have a lot of requests for new features. And usually they would prioritize it based on, I don't know, my husband's uh, um, wish or whatever he wants to do. And so then he decided that, okay, done with that because it was becoming fairly difficult. And so now they have those sprints where they define the scope of work that they want to accomplish in two weeks and then whatever is out of scope is gonna to go to next week. What he was worried is that when people come to him and say, we need this feature as soon as possible and they are not able to deliver that. And they say something like, you know, we're only able to do that in two months. His initial thought was that people would just cancel and not continue with the, with the product, which turned out not to be the case. So many people said, oh, okay, in two months, that's fine, we'll wait. All of a sudden, this urgent thing is now when you say that we have a sprint, we have everything outlined, we cannot do this 
you know, before early or like in two months, um, usually all of them were fine. Um, so I find that continuously improving your processes, if something is not working, is key. So that's another thing. When something is not working, you feel like the process is failing you. Do not wait until it fails you five times. Right. Um, make improvement constantly to that. Unfortunately, I would really want it to be like you write the SOP once and it be done, but it's not how it works. So for example, for me recently, I, I came into this issue where I have a person who releases my podcasts. So I record and then the person who schedules them. And so he, for the past five episodes, forgot to include the video uploaded to YouTube. So he's done everything else, but not YouTube. Although we have the SOP, we have the list of things that he needs to do. And still things like, you know, everything that I talked about, him having the SOP open, you see, it's still not perfect. So the next step would be for me is, in addition to what he's doing right now, is for him to send me all the links where he published that. If he would do that ahead of time uh, and not, you know, two months later when I noticed that it's not being uploaded too late, right? I would mm -hmm. notice those things on time. If he would send me uh, all the links of all the podcasts and episodes that he uploaded, I would see that there's no YouTube link and I would ask about that. So uh, right. sometimes it not, it's, it's not about just updating your SOP, but thinking, okay, something is not working. What else can I do to make it work for people to make it easier for them or to make it easier for me? What else do I need to know in order for this process and this project or task to work well? I want to go back to something you said about, you know, getting that user feedback. Is your, is your product um, roadmap public or are you just releasing and then asking for feedback after the end of those sprints? So usually all of the software companies have an option for their users to suggest a feature. Yeah. So usually this is in all uh, SaaS companies. Okay, got it. All right. Um, just as we're wrapping up here, what's one thing that you would say, you know, to owner owners, sorry, of organizations when it comes to documenting, you know, um, and this this process improvement? What's one thing that you really think that they're not considering that's maybe overlooked? Hmm. Do not be attached to your SOPs. Um, know that things are going to change something is not working you know it's okay things are going to change um be flexible um with your communication things are not going to be perfect just like hey boil macaronis and you know cook macaronis instead of boil the water for macaronis um kind of completely different things and miscommunication is going to happen uh get yeah. to the bottom of the problem i would say so this is one thing Getting to the bottom of the problem is gonna help you identify what's actually wrong. Because oftentimes we do not want to, like if a person makes a mistake, for example, or things do not go well, you would usually say, okay, well, you would think, okay, this is this person's fault. Okay, hopefully he got, he, he learned from this mistake. Oftentimes that's not the case. So you need to dig deeper and not to say that, you know, I am blaming you. So share all the problems that you've caused or something like that. But actually ask him, why do you think that this has happened? Oftentimes what's going to happen, you'll figure out that it's not the problem on his part or in, on this task, it's problem with something else. And so you'll actually untangle this, 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 uh, this thing that's causing 
the problem. So you only see the end result, but you don't see where it's actually starting from. And so hopefully with this, not blaming anyone, but trying to get to the bottom of a problem is gonna help you identify and then put together processes in place to make sure that this is not happening again. Amazing, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of that myself, right? Where you, you create this SOP, it's wonderful, just like your husband, it's beautiful, it's pretty, it makes sense to the creator of it, right? And then if people aren't following it, if they don't understand it, then things kind of fall apart, but it's not really until you say, okay, this is not mine, right? This is one way of doing it. You get that feedback, you know, really crowdsource that from your team and then continue to improve them and develop on them. Because at the end of the day, the, the tacticians, the people on your team are the ones that are using these to execute the work, right? And you hired them because they are experts in their field. But if you're the bottleneck, creating these SOPs that don't make sense or not clear, then, you know, how are you benefiting them? So yeah, I'm definitely really glad that you, that you said that. Um, just curious, what does your personal tech stack look like? I, I know you were weird. You talked about Jira, Notion, Slack. What else do you use to get through your day or any given week? Mm, Skype is a big thing. Slack, um, emails. Um, and by the way, as far as the emails, um, really quick about communication channels. I think this is something that every founder needs to have in place. Um, communication guidelines uh, so that people know when to send an email, when to send a Slack, if it's easier to get on a call with someone, do we schedule a video meeting or one-on-one -on -one meeting? All of those things ideally need to be documented. So for example, I'll give you one example. Um, when you discuss a project that is more than a few people involved, do not send out one-on-one -on -one messages because then you're going to repeat yourself to multiple people or information is going to be missed from those additional people, right? They will not know what you discussed, just the two people, you and someone else. So if you discuss a project that connect, is connected to multiple people, those things need to be discussed in public channels, not one-on-one -on -one channels. So having those communication guidelines, um, Documented is important, um, and this is a tantrum uh, from Slack, email, instant messages, Zoom, obviously, um, this would be it. I am trying to keep it fairly lightly, and what I coach my people that I work with, um, the CEOs, is do not be hang up on the tools. They are yeah. just the tools. Oftentimes, especially those software engineers who are now turned to CEOs, love their softwares, love the subscriptions, love testing new tools. And oftentimes it is so much easier to do something with an Excel, for example, or like another simple document instead of, you know, subscribing to another software, getting your team to use that. This is just mental energy that needs to be spent somewhere else. So do not be hanging up on those tools. If it's easier to do in Excel, do that. Perfect. Love it. Great way to wrap up. So where can people connect with you, Natalie? Where are you hanging out? Where can they get more resources and more information on the work that you do? Uh, NatalieLuniva.com. NatalieLuniva.com. Um, I'm on, on, active on Facebook. I have uh, a group for specifically SaaS founders. I have a podcast. I run weekly Q&A sessions, kind of uh, workshops every week. They're live in the Facebook group. So if you are a software uh, founder um, looking to, to, for help to grow, scale, um, help with marketing, do check it out. Amazing. Well, thanks for being on the show. I had a really great conversation. I enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, Marky.
If you like what you heard today, please like, subscribe, and follow on your preferred channel. If you know of a friend or colleague that would benefit from hearing this conversation, please share it with them so that we can reach more listeners just like you. As always, all the links from today's talk will be in the show notes. And remember, if it isn't documented, it didn't happen. We'll see you next time.